Guys, pay attention. Today's guest, Mr. Jason Priest, has got your back. Jason is a former ICU nurse, and he was traumatized by seeing men in their 30s die of heart attacks. He was determined not to be the next one, so he launched Dad Bod Health, and he's here to share his story. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 123. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. hey Welcome to the show. Okay, so here's the deal. Whether you've been with us a little bit of a time or you've been with us a long time, we're so glad you're part of the family. Yeah, welcome. All right, so guess what? We have a show on Thursday night you may not even know about. It's kind of new. On our Facebook page, we have a live show every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, called Pillow Talk. And it's a live show where we smother each other with pillows. All right. In other news, we want to mention the check-in. This is a powerful tool for building more intimacy and connection in your marriage and it's a totally free resource we've developed for you. You can find it over at legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. Yeah, it's a five-minute conversation. You get to know your spouse on a deeper level, and you can do it every day, just like Justin and I. I know that sounded super cheesy, didn't it? And uh, I wanted yeah. to say on Pillow I mean, Talk, it's really a behind-the-scenes look at life with oh. Danielle and Justin, it's not really us smothering each other with pillows. Honey, you were supposed to jump in on that joke, but you didn't. <laughs> I thought and it was more fun to just move on. It, that on. was just disturbing. So I definitely. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Oh, and we actually talk about um, our view on the podcast and some of the questions that have come up in the Facebook. And community. just what's going on in our life. Because, uh, you know, we're. We're in this this business ministry life of trying to inspire and challenge couples through the podcast. We're working with people through coaching, and we're creating all these these opportunities to help couples build stronger marriages and and all of that. And we're we're in it too. Yeah. Like, oh, definitely. We're in it too. So, so uh, we just think it's fun to and it's live from our bedroom. For you, just definitely want to tune in for that aspect. See yeah. our dirty laundry. Literally. <laughs> Or not. You don't have to look at our dream. All right. So today on the show, we have Jason Priest, founder of Dad Bod Fitness. Um, I love this conversation. He was just obsessed with sports as a kid. Mm -hmm. Then something happened and he gained about 60 pounds and then he came back with a fierce vengeance. And now he's helping all these other men obliterate their dad bods. All right. Ready? Let's get to it. Oh my gosh, we are joined yes. on the podcast today, Jason Priest. So he is 
the spearhead of the dead bod movement. Okay. I like it. I know. I feel like, you know, the dad bod, you kind of get sucked into it. Maybe when um, your woman starts, you know, getting pregnant, putting on a few pounds, maybe you put on a few, maybe a few more, but then your wife gets rid of that extra weight and, or you're like me and you just eat your feelings. Oh, maybe that too. <laughs> um, so Jason, welcome to the show. Dad bod in the house. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. All right. Okay. So the dad bod thing, I feel like, yeah. is that, let's of, go, let's yeah. go back to the beginning here. Like what, what was life like when you were young? How'd you grow up? Like, like uh, just a little bit of that, a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, so I actually grew up in a, we'll call it a, a single parent household for a while. So I didn't have a lot of structure in my life. My wife, or my wife, my mom had some uh, medical issues and she's since passed away. I lost my mom at a, quite the young age. I was mm. 25 when, uh, when she passed away. So when I was a young kid, um, I was very into fitness and I, um, I obsessively played soccer with, um, we'll call it a, a, a minimal amount of guidance from my dad who really just showed up to my sports games. So in saying that I was, uh, I was quite involved in fitness and, um, and then that kind of all went away when I quit playing soccer and I kind of let myself go, but. Okay. I want to, I want to know more about the dad, uh, only shows up for the games kind of deal. So was dad like a fitness guy or was, um, Dad was, um, yes, he's always been in shape. So I always had a little bit of, uh, you know, he's always been a positive influence as far as uh, fitness goes, but, um, my dad and I didn't really see eye to eye on a lot of things as I was growing up. And so his involvement with my childhood was mostly related around sports. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he supported me through that, but there was a point where I was playing on five different soccer teams at the same time. And I had some scholarship offers uh, after high school to do some divisions, division two schools. And when you play on five soccer teams at once, and that dominates your life for, let's call it, I mean, 14 years, basically. um, I just didn't have the heart to keep doing that anymore. It was just not who I was. It was not who I was about. I did not want to go off to some strange town and play soccer when my passion was just not that anymore and so we kind of phased out and my dad and I still uh still communicate but um we never had the strongest of relationships we'll say yeah so that was kind of your only connection was the whole sports thing yeah that was (laughs) that's the basis of it for sure and now my additional connection now would obviously be my son but but beyond that yeah Yeah. So what made you shift? You said there was something that happened where all of a sudden you were like, I just don't want to really do this anymore. It's not that important. Like what made that shift there? Well, I realized that, you know, it was a tool for me to, you know, to, you know, essentially I didn't realize this at the time. Most kids don't, but you know, it was a way for me to stay in shape and stay healthy instead of sitting behind a television screen playing video games, which obviously is a huge part of our society now. So I value that part of my background for sure, because it kind of laid the foundation of what it meant to be fit and and healthy when I was younger. But, um, you know, I got to the point where when, when you're going to practices every single night of the week and that becomes your entire life, it just got to the point where I didn't have it anymore. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't see myself going away to college 
and doing something that I didn't love just to partially pay my tuition. Like that just wasn't who I was about and, and what I stood for. And so I was, we'll, we'll call it essentially just burned out from the sport. And uh, I, it, it, it's funny because I almost grew a hatred toward it. And now like I was pretty good at soccer and, and now the only time that I'll tune in is is if the United States is in the World Cup and, and otherwise I'm not very involved and I, I do want my kid to to experience that, but I'm more about allowing my son to choose his sport and take it and run versus saying, This is what you're gonna do and this is the way that it's gonna be. Because that's essentially how it was for me and and, and I didn't, you know, I don't want him to experience that same thing. In that shift, like this I just I'm kind of burnt out here. There's there's nothing more there for me. What was the shift to? Like who were you becoming in that season? Um, I had no idea because high school was coming to a close. I got mixed up in a bad crowd and was choosing some uh, unhealthy recreational uh, activities at that time, we'll say. So I'm, I'll be 40 this year. And uh, in my in my mid to late teens and uh, early 20s, I didn't have a lot of direction. And so when I was when I transitioned away from soccer, I lost my outlet as far as, you know, the way that I was going to release energy. Right. So that beer gut catches up with you, doesn't it? it Very quickly. Yes. Um, I remember this when I was like, I played a lot of volleyball all through high school, part of college. You know, you're tall. You better play volleyball or basketball. And that was kind of my deal. And you don't realize what good shape you are in. Until you start chugging the beer and eating Cheetos, and then you're not playing sports anymore. Queso. Oh, yes. Queso. So you mentioned (laughs) queso. I have vivid memories of going. So I worked at um, right out of high school. I worked at uh, Costco in their photo lab. Right. So my I have vivid memories of my girlfriend at the time coming and picking me up, or we would meet for lunch and we would go across the street to like this Mexican place called Tia's. I don't know if you guys remember or, or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Wow. So it was a chain. I don't, I think it might be out of business now, but anyway, um, it was a chain. And I remember going over there and just putting away the tortillas and queso as we were waiting on our food, I would eat six or eight of these things yeah. and then eat my food on top of it. And a year of that with no soccer, um, it was a recipe <laughs> for a disaster. And margaritas. And then then you kind of don't even keep track of how much you're eating because you drank so much. And then, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's all coming back to me now. It's a vicious cycle. And it happens very quickly. as Ah, the good old days, right? (laughs) Okay, so how did you meet your wife? Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, so yeah, so then the the transition here, here was my, my shining moment is, is when, I was getting mixed up. I was I was mixed up with the wrong crowd. My life was headed nowhere, and I made a decision on a whim one day. I was taking some classes at a community college, and I got into. I, I want to say it was like a lifespan psychology class, and there was these two guys in there that kept talking about nursing school, and I'm like, so what is what is all this nursing school? I needed a quick way to get a job, get on my feet and get away from the crowd that I was hanging around, you know, so I needed some direction. So I got with these guys, they talked about nursing school, I started doing some research, long story short, I decided to apply for nursing school, because this gave me a two year outlet to get my own job become, you know, somewhat successful at the age that I was because as a registered nurse at the sheer age of 23, when I graduated, I mean, 
it was no problem to work extra hours and, and make six figures. And so that was very appealing to me at the time. Like, whoa, I can make $100,000 if I work five twelves a week and I still get two days off. This is appealing, right? So that happens. And I immediately start working in the intensive care unit, which is where a lot of, uh, you know, kind of my memories of seeing these 30, mid 30 year old people having heart attacks, right? And that's kind of what inspired me to lead to, to do my business. But so I actually met my wife. So my wife is a pharmacist. But at the time, I met her um, in the hospital, I was working in the ICU. And at the time, she was a pharmacy tech. So she was delivering uh, medications to our medication rooms in the intensive care unit. And so um, I want to say, this is funny, I want to say she actually asked me out. And nice. because I just like, Jacqueline, you little minx, girl. I could never wrap my head around like, this girl likes me. And it's obvious we flirt all the time. But like, I just, I'd come out of a bad relationship. And I, I, I didn't know that I was ready to make that leap. And so I believe she asked me out and one thing led to another. And here we are, you know, 14 years later married. So, wow. so yeah, I met her in the hospital. I thought for sure you were going to say, okay, there was all these guys, they were talking about nursing school and you were going to say, and that's going to be the perfect place to meet a girl <laughs> because it's got to it be. Basically like, is it like oh, a 10% like guys to female? Yeah, so I want to say my class had, let's call it, let's call it 40 maybe or 30 ish. And, uh, there was, yeah, there was about seven or eight guys in there. If I remember right. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are good odds. But, but then you, you struck outside that group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The pharmacist. Yeah. Okay. Well, the nursing school gave me the, the track to meet the wife because if had that not happened, I don't ever see her in the hospital and who knows. Isn't it funny how, how a decision like that and you've got like, okay, I know this is the, the path that's going to set me on, you know, I'm going to make good money. I'm going to do something that matters. I'm going to help people. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's, there's this woman that's going to be my wife. Right. Okay. So Jason, I have to share this story with you. Absolutely. Okay. So I was a nursing student at one oh, point. Wow. Yes, I was. I kind of had some similar thoughts as to what you were having. Like, okay, this could be, you know, there's always opportunities for nurses. Like there's never like a shortage of job positions open. And so I start going through the program and I'm doing pretty well, but my counselor, you know how you have to go into like the counselor's office and they're like, you got to get this grade and you got to take this class. The nursing program (laughs) advisor. The most nursing program advisor. Well, this person was not kind to me. She said I wasn't smart enough, wasn't going to get good enough grades And really, it was one of those things where it was just one of those moments. It was like crystallized in my mind. And I was like, I'm going to get straight A's next quarter. Like, they're just like that thorn in your side that you need to like propel you forward. So Justin, he was a new friend at the time. I'm sharing this story. I'm going, I'm ranting, I'm raving. You would not believe this woman, (laughs) what she said to me. And he said, now, what was her name again? And I tell him. And you know what he says? That was, that's my mother. (laughs) Oh, wow. His mother was the one that told me that I wasn't going to make it. And you have to understand my mom. awesome. My mom is the type that would say like, you're never going to make it. Or her version of that, you know, over the last two decades, the story mutates a little bit. But, (laughs) But that's the way my mom would, would, 
inspire inspire motivate people hey you know it's ways to like throw down the gauntlet you know and so it worked and i did get straight a's the next semester and i went and like slapped him down on the counter in front of her and like <laughs> it was a great way to start the mother-in-law relationship yeah. let me tell you but yeah. that's my experience Oddly, i think that made her respect you all the more oh oh yes okay so, so hold on a nurse. so you met jacqueline there like how did you get to the place where you went yeah like let's do this let's do this married life thing let's let's go after something yeah so <laughs> she'll she tells the story a little bit differently than i do but i will tell you from my standpoint we go out on our very first date and we, we go to Chili's, right? Like we got to go all out. We got to go to Chili's. Okay. So mm, South she gets, egg rolls. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she gets dressed up like semi dressed up. You know what you would do to go to Chili's as a normal person. Sure. And I show up in like Adidas pants and like, a hoodie or something. Like, Jason, <laughs> come on, man. Oh, dude. Come on, man. It was bad. And so I must like have this. seen something through the hoodie. She's like, I mean, um, can I rethink this? Can it I was, over? It was bad. So speaking of the margaritas, so we got a little too deep into the margaritas. And <laughs> <Did> uh, <sure. laughs> we really enjoyed each other's company. And so, um, you know, we actually, I want to say we dated for nine months before I proposed. And so um, we actually went on a cruise and this is, this is a great story. You listeners will like this one. So I plan out this extravagant trip to where I'm going to propose. And I get this in my mind that I'm going to propose on the beach in Belize. Mm. Well, doesn't that sound awesome, right? So everybody yeah. wants to go to Belize. It's amazing. So um, I go out and I buy this very nice ring and uh, the very nice ring that you know, needs insurance, nice ring. Cause I'm a big baller making six figures sure. as a single nurse. So I'm like, I got to go all in on this ring. I'm going to get something amazing. So anyway, we get to Belize and I've got the excursion planned out. We're going to do cave tubing. So you actually get on these tubes and go through these caves with, they give you headlamps and the whole nine. Well, oh, I'm like, wow. how am I going to take this $5,000 engagement ring mm. to cave tubing like what am i going to do here so long story short we pull up to belize and there are no beaches in belize it is central america it's an island and it just drops off and i'm like mm. oh crap there goes my entire plan to propose on the beach in belize what am i gonna do <laughs> so i can't take the ring to the freaking cave tubing like that's the stupidest thing that i've ever heard of so we go do the excursion and i come back we come back to the boat and I go, we go back to the room, I get the ring, and I go to the closest point to get us on the boat to the closest point to Belize. And then our excursion happened to end a little bit uh, sooner than most of the excursions. So I was the only one up there, and I dropped down on one knee at the front of the boat. So I was on the beach in Belize, and uh, long story short, there you go. So it was quite the, uh, quite the trip. You persevered. You made it I happen. Did. I was just having so, this anxiety of like, and then you were going to say, I took the ring into the cave and, and the then I dropped it in the and then I dropped it into the cave. Like I was on pins and needles. I was and like, one of those Please. weird fish with the like headlight thing <laughs> caught the ring and swam off. <laughs> those possibilities are exactly why I chose not to take the <laughs> ring on the cave tubing trip. Uh, okay. I think that was a good decision. That was wise. Right. 
So you got married, you, you, um, you got to this place where you're building a life, you're, you're starting to try to have kids and, and then you're becoming a dad. Oh, wait, well, no are, kids. Hold are on. you, so are you still a nurse? Yeah. So I'm still a nurse and we actually, we buy our first house, dumb decision immediately right out of the bank. And then we, so we get married in July and that, that following September 11th is when my mom passes away. Mm. So we, my wife was just becoming very close with my mom. My mom and, and my wife would spend more time on the phone than me and my mom would. <laughs> and so they were very close. And uh, suddenly, you know, my mom had a lot of health issues, and, but we didn't know about death, right? We, that, that was never a thought at this point. And so she, she passes away. And shortly after that, my wife and I moved to Abilene, Texas, for my wife to go to pharmacy school. Because remember, at the time, she was a pharmacy tech. So we move away to this strange town. If you've never been to Abilene, don't It go. is strange. Yeah. It is very strange. And, and I'm there for four years. I'm, I'm like, I don't know anybody. And I get out there. The nursing pay in the hospital is literally half of what I'm making in Dallas. I'm like, Ouch. nope, I can't do this. So I drive back and forth for six months from Abilene to Louisville to work in the ICU to continue making Dallas money. And it was one of the most depressing periods in my life because every Tuesday or every Monday or Tuesday, I would pack a giant cooler, say goodbye to my wife and my dogs at the time. And I would be gone for four days and then come back and do it all again every single week. Her sister was living in in Denton where I was uh, working. So I would stay with her sister. I worked night shift. So her sister would go to school during the day I would sleep in her sister's bed and then I would go to work and her sister would come home and then sleep in her bed. And we had this, this cycle of, yeah. And I did that for an entire six months and uh, I, I was about to lose it. So we spend the rest of the time out there. I became a director of nursing at a long-term care facility. Uh, and then we moved back to Dallas. And so I started doing uh, corporate wellness when we moved back to Dallas. We actually waited 10 full years before we had my son. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did you ever think, okay, so the headline is going to be my wife's sister and I shared a bed. <laughs> it, it was so bizarre, but if I didn't have that, I would not have been able to pull it off. I mean, it right. just, you know, and she had a, she had an apartment with a roommate, so there was no other option. It was either the couch or her bed. Well, I didn't want to be there sleeping during the middle of the day if the roommate came home and like wanted to do stuff. Right. So sure. <laughs> I had to be in the bed. Uh, oh my so yeah. gosh. I could see that being very intolerable. That is when we've uh, like, I'm just like, I, I feel you in that. It was a rough, rough season when we first moved here to Austin, you moved nine months I, yeah. before I did. And I was staying in a friend's spare bedroom. Yeah. We saw each other about once a month. And like, you're right. It is just it's it's tough, tough man. in a way that like, I don't know how to fully articulate. It's, it was tough. And it, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Like the heavy heart that I would have. I mean, it, it and like at the time, all we had was do- we had uh, three dogs and two of them have since been put down because they got old. But we had two bull terriers and bull terriers require a lot of attention and interaction. These are very, you know, the Spud McKenzie dogs. These are very yeah. high energy dogs. And so I would leave on a Monday or Tuesday and they were still very young at the time. And it's like, they'd be seeing me leave and just, you could tell just depressed. My wife would be depressed. I would be depressed. It takes a toll on your marriage. Yeah. 
So, yeah. And so, uh, you, you'd, you'd gone back, you kind of, you'd done soccer and then kind of withdrew from that. And then life yeah. is going on and like the dad bod starts forming, right? Yes. So here's where the dad bod comes in. So we were in Abilene for four years and I just kept putting on more and more weight, more and more weight, drinking beer, playing golf, you know, drinking my pain away from being away from her. Sure. Golf was all I had at the time. And I met a couple of dudes out there that I could play golf with. Um, and we would just drink beer and play golf and I would eat whatever I wanted. I was, I would, I was a guy who used to not drink any water and I would only drink those big uh, dull juice cartons that are just nothing but sugar. Right. So oh, yeah. I put on more weight and more weight and more weight. And those giant hot dogs that are on the roller at the 18th <laughs> yeah. hole. Oh, and you're like, I could have like a couple of those. And yes. Yeah. And you know that there's just something not right about them. But they do so good. No. (laughs) They've only been on the wheel for two weeks now, but hey, they're good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just put mustard ketchup. You're good. So so if I can ask, like what at at the height of it, what were you what were your numbers? Like where what were you? Yeah, so right now I'm like I told you, I'll be 40 this year and I'm in the best shape of my life. And I my body fat somewhere around I would say it's somewhere around 10% right now. So I'm, um, I'm 170 right now. At the time when I got to my highest and I was drinking Dole juice, eating pizza all the time and ice cream after every dinner, I was around 230, man, like 60 yeah. pounds more than what I'm carrying around these days. Yeah. And it was not a good look. <clears throat> Trust I- me. I've You're like, I'm that. a health professional. Yeah, Come like what through. am I doing to myself, right? So you're like advising everybody don't do what i did (laughs) right so i was the guy i had this mindset and this is what i tell people a lot like obviously most things are about mindset fitness and nutrition is all mindset and if you can if you can get your mind right and that's what i help my clients do like my my big hook line is i simplify your life when it comes to fitness and nutrition like i most of my clients are busy professionals and entrepreneurs and business owners who have everything going in their life but they're missing the health aspect. And, yeah. and the last thing that I want to see people do is, is build this, this fortune or this, this wealth or grow their bank account to have that security long-term and then give all this back to doctors and hospitals. And so that's, that's where I come in. But what I was doing was my mindset was at a place where I was the guy that convinced myself that the two or three you know, mile and a half jogs that I would do each week were plenty to you know, keep me healthy. But I was still, you know, 50 pounds overweight yeah and so uh you know try jogging 50 50 extra pounds it doesn't feel good so a mile and a half is about all i had but in my mind i'm like well i'm at least still being active you know maybe this is okay so yeah and i i feel like there's a lot that says it's okay because you picture like the typical like middle-aged guy you know he's got a little bit of a spare tire around there as long as it's not a you know, drooping yes. over his belt line, then you're, I mean, it's just normal, right? And that's, that's the big issue that, that my business or what, what I'm trying to do, like my whole goal here with my business. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen or heard anything about my, my proclaimed mission, but my mission is to reach a million lives. Okay. And I've got, I've got some plans going right now to be able to help me do that. So <clears throat> in order for me to do that, my message needs to reach as many people as possible. Obviously, to a million lives is quite the lofty goal. But here's the thing. When I was working in ICU, I've seen 
quite a few men in their mid to late 30s have massive heart attacks and then ending, ending up with open heart surgery. And you mentioned those extra 10 to 15, maybe even 20 pounds that society has essentially encouraged men to possibly ignore because this is a cute and cuddly trend and maybe even healthier trend, right? And that is, that is where, that is what fuels my fire because I know those extra 10 or 15 pounds most likely has that person already with diabetes or potentially dying, dying or uh, developing type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. possibly high blood pressure, possibly high cholesterol. The risk levels for those things are significantly higher, even with just an extra 15 pounds. And mm -hmm. society has lied to us, lied to men and said, this is a cute and cuddly trend. You're okay. The dad bod is not that unhealthy. When in reality, I know the truth because I've been doing this for quite some time. And I can tell you about, especially when I was doing corporate wellness, how many people are only 10 or 15 pounds overweight and have absolutely crap for their numbers. And that's what scares me. You and your spouse could be just one conversation away from becoming soulmates. Whoa, honey, that's a big promise I know, to but I'm making it. All right, but we have been using this one simple, powerful tool for almost a decade. It's radically transformed our relationship and hundreds of other marriages too. Yes. You see, in the chaos and busyness of everyday life, we all get wrapped up in these five-second conversations. Did you take out the trash? What? Did you schedule a doctor's appointment? Yes. Did you get their milk on the way home? What? No. Wait. Who? What? See, Why are you I doing mean, this to we me? We get stuck in those five-second conversations. <laughs> I'm having a little, a little moment here now. Uh, but the truth is that more intimacy and connection begins with more conversations that matter. And that's what the Sashay Check-In Guide is all about. All right. So get your free copy of our guide, From Roommates to Soulmates, How to Create More Intimacy and Connection in Your Marriage in Five Minutes Without Awkwardness or Ugly Fights Using the Sashay Check-In. You can get your copy today at legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. And now back to the show. I'm wondering, how does your wife react to this where you go from like super fit, like on your first date, you were wearing like the full jogging suit um, <laughs> to like now I'm 50 to 60 pounds overweight. Did she have yeah. any sort of like a reaction to that? Or was she just kind of like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. So you have to realize from her stance, she was fully entrenched in becoming a doctor of pharmacy. So her, the time she had to spend on what I looked like was minimal, right? She was focused on, I mean, her head was in books nonstop, but that's a quite, quite an intensive program. And so she's actually a clinical specialist, which is, she's a pretty highly ranked individual in her little pharmacy world. And so in order for her to do that, she didn't have a lot of time to spend on uh, what I was looking like. But, you know, there, the, the conversations were there. The comments were there. And to be quite honest with you, and, and this is where I was going to turn with that story, is that we had access, and still to this very day, we had access to one of the nicest gyms that I've ever seen in my life. This is a gym that people in Dallas would easily pay $100 a month to go to. And we had it for free through her pharmacy program. I did not start using that gym until the last six months that we lived in Abilene. And I had free access for an entire three and a half years and never stepped foot in that door. Wow. What was, so, so what was the epiphany? Like you're in this place, you're 40, 50 pounds overweight. Yeah. You're, you're feeling it. 
what what hit the switch for you yeah so we at the time you know we we always thought we were going to be the cool aunt and uncle we hadn't really started talking about kids um most of our time in abilene but then we started having those conversations and i realized that these few jogs a week that i would do that i was doing was painful you know i I would go for these jogs and my my ankles and knees would old injuries would come up from sport or from soccer that i had um every time i jog and i just noticed that you know i'm I'm looking at myself in the mirror and and there's a lot of change happening and it's nothing but negative change and i'm like look i i am way too young to you know, I, I start getting, I start getting the notices from the doctor. Like I'll go get lab work done. And they're like, look, man, your, your weight has gone up since the last time we've seen you. Your triglycerides are sky high. Your cholesterol continues to creep up. You've already got mild hypertension. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a freaking ICU nurse. How the hell have I let myself get to this point where yeah. I, my health is crap? Like if I don't do something now, little you know forget setting an example for my future kid like i'm gonna end up dead this is not good and so i was seeing people that were slightly older than me having open heart surgery i mean i i saw a guy 38 years old have a double bypass um who wasn't that overweight now he did smoke so he had some other risk factors but who wasn't that overweight i'm thinking if i continue to let myself go like this for another few years because here's the thing when it comes to health, awareness is everything. And if you're not aware, you know, for example, the, the um, let's call it the, the desk worker who doesn't have any medical knowledge at all, and society's been telling him that the dad bot is cute. Maybe that person is 33 or 34 and has never thought about going and getting a physical exam. And if that person doesn't have awareness, they don't know what their blood work looks like. Society's telling them the dad bot is cute. That is a potential hazardous situation because they don't know. And for me, somebody that did know, like, how am I not going to take action? I'm telling people what to do to be healthier, and I'm only letting myself spiral out of control, and my health has become nothing but crap. And so, you know, I don't know that it was a one-day epiphany, but it was a probably a couple uh-huh. weeks, like, I so, got to get my stuff together. Yeah. And who were you in that, in that season? Like, who were you be- what were you believing about yourself? Well, and so... I I've had a lot of insecurities and self-limiting beliefs and self-doubt throughout my life. And I don't know, you know, maybe some of that's tied to not having a consistent father figure or not having a mother who is healthy enough to be a strong part of, of my growth. And so I did a lot of things on my own. And so I was before I, you know, last year I had a massive mindset shift, um, which really launched my business and has made me become a, an increasingly successful person in my niche. And before that, I've, I've always dealt with a lot of insecurities and, and I am human. And so I would look at myself in the mirror and just think, man, this is like, I'm embarrassed to see what I'm seeing right now. Like, I haven't quite found the motivation or discovered my why on why I need to change, but I know that I don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror and something's yeah. got to give. And so it, it was like a give. couple of weeks I ago. love that. I yeah. love that. Like, like I'm thinking about our story. Like we call it a defiant decision. Like I don't know the path forward. I can't see it clearly. I don't know what to do, but I know that this Something's is no more. Give, right? no yeah. more. Something's got to give. Uh, we're done with this. Sure. So, and I talk uh, a lot about fulfillment and 
a lot about fulfillment in, in your career. You know, fulfillment can come in many areas of life. It could be, become with your family and your relationships. It become with, you know, your the the pride you take in yourself or the belief that you have in yourself or your business or your fitness, wherever you're unfulfilled at. I knew that, A, I was very unfulfilled with my fitness because it quite frankly didn't exist and something had to change. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it the things that I have seen in my life working in the ICU are borderline PTSD things for a lot of people. Um, and seeing young people go through some of the stuff that I have uh, was enough of an eye opener to me that when I finally saw, saw that light go off in my head and had discovered my why, my why was that I wanted to be the leader of my family in every area of life. And especially when it comes to health and now like, you know, my son eats very healthy. My wife eats very healthy. She's very into fitness. And a lot of that is my influence. She's always been somewhat involved in fitness, but seeing me as passionate as I am about changing the lives of others, uh, she has no, she has no choice, right? Yeah. Like, you better not fall off or you're my number one client. So, so yeah. I look back, you know, five years ago or so. And like, like my driver's license picture is still the same picture. Oh my gosh, it's okay. horrific. And it is her. <laughs> it literally looks like somebody stuffed uh, an air hose in my butt and inflated me, overinflated me. <laughs> like the sumo right. costumes, right? Yeah. 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 I look and I think back at that time and I was in a clinical kind of a depression, not clinical, but just like a really sure. heavy level of depression. The business, my business was struggling hard. We were, uh, we weren't in a good place necessarily. I was just, just, like I know who I am in that season, like, and it was, I'm looking in the mirror and going like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. If you could send a message back to that version of you to 10 years ago, what would you tell them? Well, knowing myself and all of the wealth of knowledge that I had at the time when it came to, to fitness and nutrition and really just overall health. You see, at the time, I wasn't a personal trainer yet, so I didn't have the whole fitness thing, but I did have my soccer background um, as, a, as a foundation of what being healthy is about, right? So um, I, I probably, you know, one of my big, uh, one of my best videos that I've ever done, and, and the thing that my mentor, my business mentor uh, told me when I reached out to him actually was my friend at seven years old, and we used to get in a lot of trouble together, and now he's a... <laughs> Uh, an eight-figure earner and does really, really, really well. And so um, we connected last year from the first time when we stopped hanging out when we were in our early teens. And he's become this extremely successful person. But uh, I won't get too much into that. But the the two words that he said to me and the two words that I use a lot in my in my videos now, and this is what I would, would tell my or really ask myself is just why wait? Like when you when you have that amount of knowledge, and, and I go back to the awareness piece, but if, if you already are aware, then you have no excuses. You, mm -hmm. you already know the reasoning why you should be doing these things for your health. And, you know, some people can use that excuse. If, like the desk worker, if he really doesn't know or she really doesn't know what it's like to truly eat healthy, if they've never had blood work done, if they, if, if they truly are unaware, you know, society's been saying, you know, it's okay to be a little bit overweight. If, if that person is unaware, then why weight doesn't really work on them. But mm -hmm. I knew I, I had all the knowledge to make, to, to use the, that ammunition to change myself. 
And I needed to discover my why. And, and that's what I tell people a lot. And so I would have just looked at that man and said, why wait? And so, um, yeah, that, those two words are very powerful for me because when my, when my mentor asked, I'll tell you the story on that. It's very brief, but I reached out to him and said, look, I'm starting this business. I've already kind of got a blueprint and I'm working with someone on the fitness background, but I know that you're my man for the business side of things. Can we talk, you know, in a couple of months, once I, once I get everything going and we were, we were doing this through Facebook messenger and, and he literally just typed those two words to me and like the, it, I, I can't explain how powerful it was to me at the yeah. time. Like I, I was already ready to pull the trigger. And when you, when he asked me that, I was like, not only are you an amazing salesman because that's what he does, but like that resonated with me so yeah. much because yes, why wait? There's yeah. no reason to wait. We live one time. Our time on this planet is so short. Why am I going to put this decision off any further? Let's go. I love the question why. Uh, and it's you, uh, you know, watching some of your stuff and, and it's part of what made me so want to connect with you is, is, is the why you shared like, man, uh, it's seeing these guys going down yeah, and, and like wanting to be able to watch your kids graduate and get married and have grandkids and live. Yes. And, uh, like that's, that is a version of mine. Like I, I was, it was uh, what, 2014, 2015 mm-hmm. and I was, you know, 250 pounds and yeah. just, you know, depressed and dragging, dragging hard. And and I was like, okay, I, like we have a, we had a four-year-old at that time and sure. I could, I was struggling to keep up with her. That's scary, man. Ridiculous. It's scary. Yeah. When and, your four-year-old is running laps around you and you're winded in the backyard, like what's going to happen when she's eight, what's going to happen when she's 12. Are you yeah. going to be able to run around on the soccer field when she's 14 and kick the ball around with her? No. Mm-hmm. And nope. so um, I, I tell people this a lot and this is one of my, one of my kind of core values when it comes to what I do and and my message. But, you know, the last thing, the last word that you ever want to use when it comes to your health is regret. And when you, when you let yourself go and you put it off for five years, Oh, it's just five years. Well, then it's 10 years. And then it's 15 years. If you put your health off for 10 or 15 years, the damage that's being done while you're not, while you're choosing to ignore this, um, many times it's irreversible. You know, you get diagnosed, diagnosed with high blood pressure and that goes on for 10 years. You're most likely going to have some kidney damage unless it's very well regulated. Uh, if you're not a guy that goes to the doctor, um, you know, and you have high blood pressure, you don't want to end up on dialysis. I'm telling you right now, that is one of the scariest lifestyles you can possibly live. Mm. Um, the, the diabetes thing. If, if you get diagnosed with type two diabetes and you don't take action immediately, damage is being done to your eyes, to your kidneys, you know, it's, it's just a scary thing. And so people think that a couple of years, I'll just keep putting it off, putting it off. Time is going to go on and your health is you, the last thing that you want to have is regret. And you yeah, know, that you're settling for that good enough. Like it's okay. It's fine. Like, I know, I know, I know, but I know, and yeah. I know, but you know, and, and it, it is, it's doing it. It, it may every day that goes by, it makes it harder and harder. I think. Yep. Like it, does and, yeah. and it, it makes it harder. And, and I hate to, I hate to say, say it this harshly, cause I don't mean it to come off this harshly, but for people that hear this and, and have a, a, an uphill battle, like it's, you know, your excuses are only lies that you're telling yourself when you're not ready. 
And mm. I understand like change is hard, but nothing in life worth doing is easy. And I feel, and I think you guys would agree that life and quantity and quality of life are absolutely worth doing. And yeah. so if you want to keep yourself or get yourself in peak health to extend or potentially extend your quantity of life and really improve your quality of life, like that's a hundred percent worth the little bit of struggle that it takes to get through the gym doors or the little bit of struggle that it takes to eat healthy on a most of the time basis. I tell people all the time, nutrition will never be perfect. I myself like to have my crappy junk meals and but when you can embrace the challenge and embrace the struggle in front of you, your life will significantly improve. Your energy levels will soar. And a lot of these sodas and energy drinks and things that people have to rely on can go away and you just have to buy yeah. in. And it's just a, I get it. I've been doing motivational interviewing and health coaching for 10 years now. And, and I understand that change is hard, but it's so worth it. Yes. Mm. I'm just wondering. So obviously... You know, those are inspirational words. So if someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, I've got that bod that you're talking about here and it's time for me to make a change. What are some first steps that we can take to start making that shift? Yeah, so the the things that I start with most are obviously you. So if we separate fitness and nutrition, right? So let's talk about fitness for a second because they're both important. And and you do not need to make a drastic overhaul of your health. And that's where people go wrong. And far too often I see people overcomplicate the process. And when you've waited and you've gotten to 30 pounds or 50 pounds or 80 pounds overweight, I understand it can be quite overwhelming. And you're throwing, you're throwing all this conflicting information. We got keto this, paleo that, whole 30 this. You know, people get overwhelmed with change because oftentimes they wait too long to create change. So I, I highly encourage you to start slow. If we're talking about the fitness side of things, start with just walking three times a week for 10 minutes. You don't understand what the mental process is behind it. I'm telling you, it's a powerful one. And the, the mental, the, the mindset of walking three times a week for 10 minutes is the exact same mindset as walking five times a week for 30 minutes, which is technically the recommended amount of exercise by the American Heart Association. So don't overwhelm yourself with thinking, I need to do 150 minutes a week. If you're not doing anything right now, three times a week for 10 minutes is 30 minutes of exercise that you're not already getting. And you can, I guarantee if you do that for a week, you're not going to stay at 10 minutes anymore. Your body's going to start to love that. And you're going to add on a little bit of time and a little bit of time. And then you build momentum. When you build momentum, you get confident because you're going to start to feel and see changes. A confident person is an unstoppable person as long as they stay motivated. But when you, don't, when you don't need to rely on motivation every day because you've discovered your why and your why is might be, you know, everyone's why is different, but most people's why should be based around some, some kind of form of, I want to extend the quantity and quality of my life. When you know your why, motivation doesn't need to be there anymore because then you have this discipline that steps in. And when yeah. you can rely on that discipline, I'm telling you the sky is the limit for you when it comes to fitness, but you have to buy in. Now, on the nutrition side of things, the things that I would tell you most to start working on immediately would be getting rid of fast food and sugar as much as possible. And I'm not telling you that you can't ever have that stuff because I eat that stuff on occasion. But if I could give you anything to cut out of your diet to start seeing immediate results, it's sugar. 
start reading labels, become informed about the food that you're putting in your body. There's no magic formula. There's no magic pill. But if you can start shopping the perimeter of the grocery store, start getting away from a lot of the frozen stuff and the processed stuff, start drinking more water and less soda. There's, there's this shift that can happen over time and it doesn't need to all happen at once. But, you know, and, and I'll use this example a lot, like with nutrition, most people eat three meals a day. That's 21 meals a week. If you can wrap your head around 16, 17, 18 meals a week that are healthy, nutrient-dense meals, then you've got some leeway where those other three to four meals a week can be crappy meals and you're still going to have success. But that's where people go wrong is they, they let that the crappy meals become 50 or 60 or 70% of their, their nutrition plan yeah. and then it spirals out of control. I hear what you're saying is like, it's not an all or nothing deal. Right. Like if you, if you fall into that mindset of like, it's all or nothing, it's going to be nothing because nobody's perfect. I get it. Okay. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Leave uh, me alone, woman. I wasn't really trying to, but if it's hitting you, feel it, buddy. Um, okay. So Jason, thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom on the show today. I want to know where can our listeners find you and what you're up to? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am, <laughs> I post a lot of content. So um, my business page uh, on Facebook is at DadBot Health Official. Um, my Instagram is at DadBot Health. If you are someone that is struggling with nutrition at all, I highly encourage you to follow me on Instagram and pay attention to the stories. I will give you massive value from my stories that you can implement and take actionable steps today that will help your health improve significantly. Um, my website is dadbodhealth.com and you can uh, opt into my messenger. My messenger has a lot of really neat uh, habit change challenges that you can follow along. They're all free. Um, and yeah, the services page on my website is there. If, you, you know, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation with you. Um, and then I'm just Jason Priest on uh, Facebook. I'm, and, and as well on LinkedIn, I'm the guy with the green shirt. You can't miss my uh, picture. So if you're searching <laughs> Jason Priest, um, my, my shirt stands out perfectly. Please do not ever hesitate to ask me any health-related questions. I will respond to every single one of my messages, even the guy that continues to ask me for money and my bank account information. Um, I am more than happy but, to answer uh, any are questions. Are you that come kidding up. me? No. I still get that. Yes. I, I do. That is I ridiculous. Block. I, I just don't understand. Um, I have a I have a very kind heart, and it and it probably plays to my disadvantage at times. But I just want your listeners to know that don't ever hesitate to ask me any kind of health related questions, and I will always try to point you in the right direction. Okay, Jason, I've got a random question for you. Sure. As we sign off, what's your favorite word? <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, it's it's probably a, a combo of words because I use it a lot, but probably the bottom line. I say it a lot. It's, it's excessive. Yeah. Is it because it has the word bottom in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> All right. Last question. Okay. What do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? Oh, yeah. You and Jacqueline, baby. How's, yeah, it, so how's it rolling? I think that what it takes to build a legendary marriage that's a pretty loaded question, but I'll try to give you my shortened version. <laughs> you, you have to have a massive amount of respect for your partner. 
if that guard ever starts to drop down, um, I'll, I'll tell you from a, from a man's standpoint, obviously I've learned over my time that it's, it's easier to, to let the, the woman be right and pick your battles wisely. However, if it's something that you feel strongly about, you need to be able to, to, to come to a point where you can at least see eye to eye. We have several things in, my, in, in our marriage that we don't see eye to eye on 100%. Um, education, religion, some, some things, you know, with religion, and this is, this is a big one for people, and this might help your listeners, because my wife and I don't see eye to eye on religion. It's the main thing in our relationship that I would say is what you would consider big, right? And so what we've learned to do is just adapt with one another's beliefs and just respect that, because there are so many other traits about her and about me that we love so much. We've been able to come to a point where we just accept that, we move on. And if you can do that with, you know, the, the main emphasis in your, in your, in your uh, marriage and find those big things that are extremely important to, to each other and just have the utmost respect for that person. Um, and then just kindness. You know, I, I try to go out of my way. And as I get older, I try to go out of my way to make sure that I'm always telling my wife that I love her in situations where I might not have done that before. Like, you can't say that enough. And when you, you know, obviously you have to truly mean it, but to build a legendary marriage, you've got to learn to become best friends. And that has to truly be your best friend. Because my belief is this, she's my best friend before anything else. And the fact that we have that bond and that I would do anything possible to help that woman out, um, that is the strength of our marriage. The lover part comes second for me because I value her friendship above all. Mm. It's a good word, man. Jason, thank you so much for taking time to to share your your stories and your wisdom with our audience. Uh, like I, I just I so appreciate your vulnerability in sharing your story. I so appreciate just the the direct, like straightforward. Just you have this certainty and clarity about your own purpose, and and you're you're calling that forth in others. Like, come on, guys, let's let's yeah. be there for our families, for our lives. Let's let's live something better than. The cute cuddly thing. Hundred percent, man. My my mission is to serve as many people as I can, and and I'm really uh, I will not stop until this thing becomes a movement. I I care that much. Yes. All right. This one. This was one of my favorite interviews, and I say that a lot. But um, man, Jason's story just it hit home for me. It hit you right in the gut. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I up until a few years ago, I was carrying about 50 extra pounds. Yeah, you totally were. And um, so I just, I get, I get how easy it is to slip, slip into that, to like look in the mirror one day and go, who the heck is this? And what he says about the cute and, and cuddly thing y- is y- like, I totally got used to it. I didn't even think well, of it like... it creeps up on you and yeah. you, just, you don't realize, oh. Hey, I'm... It's like, it's like how the shocks in your car wear out. <laughs> and you don't pay any, you don't notice that the ride isn't as smooth as it used to be. Right? Or you don't notice the, the pounds kind of, kind of adding up until you go, oh man, like I look like somebody put an air hose in me <laughs> and like overinflated me as a pool toy. Um, and that's just me. And I'm not, I'm not mocking anybody who's struggling with their weight. I've been there. I've struggled with my weight my whole life. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I love the conversation and the challenge to guys to just say, man, we need to be at our best yeah. for, for our, 
families, for our lives. It's a good conversation to have. So let's jump into the Talk About It segment of the show. And now the Talk About It segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to find a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right. This week, here is the conversation starter. What is one small way you can improve your health? Because Jason talks about this in the episode. You got to start with making small improvements. So what's one small thing, ladies and guys, you can do to improve your health? That should be an interesting conversation to have. All right. So that's it for today's show. As As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from this podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation over there. It's legendarymarriage.com slash community. Get you right in. All right. Find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash one, two, three. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so that we know how we're doing and so other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you... Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.